Good morning, Faith Fellowship. <laughs> you can just wave, do your hands like this. Oh, hey, it's the Nazis in the house, Daryl Newfeld. I see that. <laughs> yes, good morning. Good morning. Good to see everybody. Okay, if you have your Bible, uh, be turning to Acts 5. <clears throat> I like this um, new setup. You know, we basically only have an, an hour. And so, you know, we're in our time slot, 9.15 to 10.15, because we really need to clean it up, get ready for the next uh, class that will be in here. And so it forces me to be concise, praise the Lord. <laughs> and so this is good. But as it relates to Acts 5, the one of the things that we've been looking at over just this last couple of weeks, and really even longer than that, <clears throat> before COVID, um, you know, we've been watching what it is that God is doing with these uh, apostles. And in particular, we see the front runner is Peter. Um, he's been having, you know, he's been in the limelight, so to speak, a lot of conversation, a lot of just different things that, that he's saying and doing that really is, is getting us a window into his heart. You know, we might have left the Gospels with an, with an impression about Peter that is still the same a little. <laughs> but uh, But I think... We see just spiritually where he's at. And so our text is kind of long. And so what I've done is it's going to be a little bit, um, um, you know, summarized. Okay, just so that way uh, we don't uh, waste our time here. We're going to be looking at Acts 5, 12 through 42. Okay, and so this is after the Ananias and Sapphira uh, debacle. You guys remember what happened there. There was this this awesome time that the apostles had where they were, you know, released from prison. And uh, when they came back, they're just sharing the testimony of what happened. And uh, so, man, all of this causes this rejoicing, this praise breaks out amongst that group. And then essentially from that point, uh, people start selling their land, selling their houses and then just giving it to the disciples. So that way that they can uh, disperse it as is needed. Right. And so, with one of those individuals, um, what you you end up? Who is that? Maria, mute yourself, girl. I just had to mute Maria. <laughs> that's COVID because COVID. That's just that's what we're gonna say forever. <laughs> um, and so. The, the thing with that was with Ananias and Sapphira, okay, they had planned to put on this display, this public display of like, oh, we're going to give this money. And it just, it got back to, I don't know how the Lord, you know, he didn't say how that happened, but the Lord gave this information, gave Peter some discernment that this was an underhanded thing had been done, you know, that they had taken the money, but only given some of it. And, uh, boy, that leads to their death. And so we kind of looked at the heart of devotion versus the heart of, of deceit. But now the thing, and you guys saw the title already, I want, I want to focus on the loss. And the reason I want to focus on the loss is because sometimes we can uh, kind of develop this attitude uh, against the loss in a, in a way that is we mock them or we forget that we were once one of them. And uh, it can also help to draw us away from the work of reconciliation, <clears throat> especially if we have loved ones or even people in our own home that are lost because you're watching their sin, you're being affected by their sin uh, and their distance from the Lord daily. And uh, that can cause you to have a hard heart towards them. And so 
I, I want you to understand something. Peter's words are sharp. But it is from a place of compassion because the thing is, he is passionate about what God is doing. He is making sure to get the message out. And so he is confronting these individuals and and being, you know, somewhat confrontational. But everything he's saying is true. And so I want you to understand that this guy has a heart to see his kinsmen be saved. Right. And so. There's something to that. So let's get our eyes on the on the text just so we have an understanding about what it is we're looking at. If we just and I the way I just broke this down, just so you can follow me for those that are, you know, Talisa's holding Canelo so she can't write anything down. <laughs> but uh, but just for the sake of that, you know, it's where the, the breaks are where, you know, it's like a, a beginning of a new paragraph, you know. And so just from 12 to 16, what you kind of have. I love those first three verses of that. They say, and by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest, durst no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. And so they're saying the rest of those people outside of the people that are starting to listen and come to him. uh, Now you have others that are in attendance, these rulers that are kind of standing by because they're making a commotion. I mean, if you think about it, it's been a couple days of this, and they're probably getting a little tired of it. Uh, if you're, if you think about it, I mean, how would you like somebody to be in your neighborhood, you know? <laughs> and you got now sick people lying in the streets. Uh, it, it'd be kind of different, <laughs> you know. You might feel a way about that, and so it's kind of getting up to that that point. And you see in verse 13, some of these people are choosing not to join. But now notice after that. Uh, um, Boy, I can't ever remember. Semicolon? Is that a colon? I can never remember. Um, Colon. Thanks. Uh, But the people magnified them. Now look in verse 14. And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women. Okay, so listen. These guys, this is like a, they're just casting a net. And just, I mean, people are just coming and coming. And so this, man, this is fantastic. What's happening? Okay, but now, let me shorten this up for you. Between 17 and 20, what you have, the religious rulers rise up against the apostles and they put them in prison. And then in verse 19 and 20, it says this, but the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors, brought them forth and said, go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. In verse 21, you see uh, you have a council is created. Okay, including the high priest and his colleagues and the Senate of all the children of Israel. Okay, so now this has gotten so big that they're going to make a a collected effort in order to shut this grassroots movement down. Right. Okay. 22 to 25, they discover the apostles are no longer in prison because this council wants to meet with them. So they probably sent somebody there and they're like, wait a minute, they're not here. Everything is intact. (laughs) Right. But they're not here. And I love what it says here. Verse 25. Then came one and told them, saying, Behold, the men whom ye yet put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. And so now you have that this angel frees them, gets them out, tells them, hey, go straight to the temple. That's what they do. 26 to 28. The rulers have them arrested again, but peaceably because, well, they're worried about the, the, the people there. This is a growing mass of individuals that have been healed. Uh, the sick, people that have had different spirits, all of these things. And actually, earlier on, it says that they just, if Peter just overshadowed them, and if you look at just where it says overshadow, all of those overshadows previous to where it's mentioned there are is God. 
And so it is as if they know, they trust that God is at work in the life of Peter. And so if this guy will just overshadow, I'm, my, I'm, I'm, I'm healed. I believe it. I believe on the name of Christ. And so this is some fantastic things that are, that are taking place. So here's what happens, though. So they, they, they arrest them again. And they want to meet with them, you know, because they're, they're, they're just seeing these needs are being met. They're watching compassion taking place on the people. I find that to be a little bit interesting that really, if you think about it, these acts of kindness have caused an uproar with the religious rulers that they weren't doing. It's just interesting. <laughs> and so, but the rulers are more concerned about, you know, the fact that they had told them previously in chapter 4, hey, uh, you're done with this message of the Lord. Of Well, not of the Lord. They said just of Jesus. And just stop what you're doing. And of course, classic, really, I believe, to be the key verse of this entire passage is in verse 29. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. That was his response to this now league of individuals that's coming to stop this grassroots movement. From 33 to 39, a respected Pharisee named Gamaliel, that same Gamaliel that trained up Paul, is because he's good in the law and he trained Paul to be good in the law. We, we saw, we see him exec, you know, execute that a little later on, uh, really in a couple of chapters, that you're going to start to see this transition here. There's, he speaks out. The reason is, is because now these guys have gotten so upset about what has been taking place. They're ready to kill the apostles, right? And so he gives two examples of, of in his mind, two failed examples of dispersed grassroots movements. And he says in verse 38, 39, and I say now unto you, refrain from these men, let them alone for this counsel of this work be of men. It will come to naught. But if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it. Lest happily you be found even to fight against God. And so 40 and 42, basically <laughs> the culmination of that at the end is verse 42. And daily in the temple in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. These guys, they get freed. They go back. They just stick with it. Okay. So there's something obviously to that that we can really focus on. But again, I just wanted us to kind of look at this from a, from a different perspective. And here's the thing over the, you know, what we've been saying over these past two weeks. But in this passage in particular, we're seeing persistence from both the religious rulers and from the apostles. And it's telling us something that there's a connection that still exists between us because we are both uh, humans. And there is this persistence in both of us. And sometimes the persistence can lead us down paths that are our own agenda. But then when we turn persistence around to I'm going to follow the will of God, it is very beneficial. And so the thing that we have to understand is versus mocking the loss or despising the loss or just being frustrated with their how it is that they do what they do. The thing that I have to understand is there is still a connection. I still even have a sin nature. So now that should lead me to a place of compassion. Because the thing that I have to understand is I can't forget where I was and where I'm now standing as a result of Christ. I'm only different because of Christ. I'm not, not because I did any steps better or got better or improve who I am. So now we have to understand that from the mind of the lost. We need not forget who we are in order to be at peace with who God has made us to be. And that is ministers of the reconciliation. In terms of another title that we should absolutely embrace 
and get to work on, that's one of them. See, the theme is this, compassion for the lost. And my idea here is understanding the mind of the lost helps us to have compassion and be prayerful. And none of those two things should have expirations. None of them. But sometimes there are things that the lost can do that you're like, man, I kind of want you to get what's coming to you. You may not say it out loud. Well, we've all thought it. I thought it. And especially as the world around us is changing and you see uh, bold sin on TV <laughs> that you're just like, you can just start to get those judgments, you know, where you just sound cranky and uh, old, <laughs> you know. Man, listen, um, how dare us ever get to a spot where we start to look at their sin as if somehow it's any greater than the sin that caused us also to put Jesus on the cross? It's the same. It's the same. And so, I, I want you to have these in your mind. Continually be compassionate and prayerful. And so, we're going to have three key points this morning. Okay? The first one is this. The lost doesn't reckon God's call. The lost does not reckon God's call. That's the, that's the whole thing some of us do. But if you think about it as a majority, there is not a reckoning that is taking place. In chapters 4, six, uh, four verses 6 and 7, it says this, And Ananias the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and, all, and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they sat in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? Guys, it had only been not that long ago that Christ had died. You know the person we're talking about. And yet still cannot reckon that there is this call for them. And so that it should place something in our minds. We have to help bridge that gap. Only just by our being ministers of the reconciliation. This is why it's important for us to open our mouths. For us to have a heart for them. For us to share a track with them. For us to invite them to church or invite them to a Bible study. You have to put it in front of them in a context that makes sense to them. We are that context. That's why God left us. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. See, if you think about it, one of the things that was interesting that was said of those religious rulers is that they didn't want the blood on their hands. But that's absolutely what needs to happen. But here's the issue why the lost doesn't like that. Because now they are saying they are owning their sin. You remember how that was for you. I remember that point for me. You know, I grew up going to church. And, man, you know, you know, grandma's just playing the piano. It's rocking and rolling, but just, it was really the time with her that I was starting to pick up, like, something's off. <laughs> like, I, it's not working. Grandma's piano playing ain't going to get me saved, <laughs> you know? It's good. I love it. Praise the Lord. But, and I remember, man, when, when uh, I went to play basketball at, at MBT, and Jim Lee did the devotion, and I just stayed behind, and I was like, I don't think I've made that decision yet. And so what did he do? He had already done a message. If he had just said, well, I already told you once, figure it out. I'm dying and going to hell. I'm not standing before you today, probably. 
But he, he breaks it down again in such a way that he helps me to understand that it was my sin that is the division. I'm like, oh. And then when he kind of proposes it to me in such a way that I could get it off, of, you know, by what Christ did, well, absolutely. <laughs> Why wouldn't I take that deal? And I know, listen, we have family members, and, and listen, those are the hardest ones. Because the family that knows you, they've seen you, they grew up with you. And, and Or, if like in my case, you know, like parents, so people over you, it is tough ministering the gospel to people that you know and that know you. There is auto, it seems like there's an automatic rejection, depending on your place in the family. Right. And just in terms of what kind of weight you have now, in my family, I have a great uh, uh, testimony My on both sides, mom and uh, mom and dad side. They love me. I'm little Dale. So there's big Dale. Right. And but they love what I've done. They love that this is the life for me. But that's OK for you, but not for us. They don't reckon God's call on their life. And you know what I'm inclined to do if I'm just completely honest, sometimes I want to just give up because it seems pointless. It's like, man, you, I would love to, man, having Rashad with, here, uh, he's not here today, but just here, you guys have no idea what that's like. Man, I look at the Spiza family and I'm like, I'm just jealous. I, every last one of the immediate family is at church. But when I went, we stayed with the Woods, all of his kids and their husbands all everybody goes to the church. I'm like, Lord, what what about my They don't reckon a call. And I gotta I gotta keep saying it. I gotta keep praying. I gotta keep being compassionate. I can't just let excuse me, let when they fail in some sort of way be the reason why I just stop now sharing the gospel because it's a lost cause. How's it a lost cause? It's something that we have to absolutely get over. And you see how the devil will, will twist it up in our minds a little bit. And then all of a sudden we just go quiet. Man, I don't, I don't want to do that. Our key point number two is this. The lost don't register God's power. And think about it. When I'm, when I'm saying register, like you don't even understand the gravity of it. In chapter 5, 18 through 20, it says this. And laid their hands on the apostles and put them in common prison. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. See, Romans 9, 17 says, For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, Even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. See, the rulers were executing power that had been given to them by God against his people. How many of us have seen that at work where people just they think that they are self-made. They think they got where they are and it just breeds arrogance. We understand where we are, but we forget that those people who are successful around us or doing well in my neighborhood. I if again, if I'm honest, you know, you my family. So I, I always feel very free in the pulpit with you guys. So I've gotten, I've sent out 98 letters because uh, two of them came back because the, the address was wrong. But uh, 98, 
Okay, we've got back five. In Prairie Village, more than the assumption, I've lived there for a decade, so I, I can say there are people who have made safe, calculated choices to be where they are. Those choices have led them to think that they are there's no need for God in their life. That is wrong and ridiculous. And what that has done, because I sent the letters out, I have wrestled a little bit with, do I even do another round or am I going to get the same thing again? You see what I'm saying about how their response is should not change what my response is going to be. If I'm going to be persistent like like Peter, then despite whatever opposition comes my way, I'm still going to press on. And so the thing that I have to realize is whether or not the success, the safe place, the comfort, the health, whatever it is of those individuals that I know around me, they, if they don't have Christ, you are not safe. And I don't have to magnif- uh, manufacture some sort of condemnation. They're already in it. I want to free you out of it. So let's talk about that. You see what I'm saying? It changes the conversation. One thing that Dan said when we went to um, their church opening, we had we were Serena and I were fortunate enough in, in Brandon Briscoe, the very first time of their new building uh, service on Wednesday night, uh, we were there. And uh, one of the things that he was saying was like, depending on how you share the gospel, is it a place of love or is it a place of condemnation? Does it sound like good news? And that. And it just made me think, like, I want to make sure I do that. I want to make sure when this next round of letters, now notice, because I'm persistent. I'm going to keep pushing on. I said a thousand. We ain't even close. Okay, so I got another hundred. I got to get out there. Uh, Several hundred. (laughs) I got to get out there. I got to be persistent. And it needs to be from a place of love. And I just, listen, I'm not trying to um, Joel Osteen it over. Right. But I want to make sure that it looks like a gift is being presented because it it has been and that the Lord has done all the work in order to make a relationship right between them and the Lord. Man, they have to know that they have to come to that understanding. And so, man, I'm I'm going to be praying for that. I want to be compassionate when as I compose. And you know what the Lord may do is say, hey, Dell. The letters are fine for this period. Now you got to do something different. And I need to be willing to do that. That's what compassion looks like. See, I love that Peter is like, I'm. you can't stop us. And it, they were supercharged probably to some degree by the fact that the Lord let them out of jail. It's just something that you have to consider, man. They don't have any power. And sometimes just from the relationships that we can develop with these individuals, we can show those those cracks in their armor where they think I'm I'm secure here. I'm safe here. Well, I've calculated this. I figured that out. And, you know, COVID really is why it's been so effective and fruitful in some ways is because basically COVID said, no, everybody down, everybody at home. Fallon's show is at home with his kids, (laughs) you know. Which is very good too, by the way. <laughs> Key point number three. The lost doesn't regard God's plan. 
See, the one thing about Gamaliel is you could you could read that what he said, you know, when he's like, "Hey, leave these guys alone." But he's kind of throwing shade on the fact that he simply reduced what it is that Jesus Christ is doing in the world by furthering the kingdom to a failed grassroots movement. See, he's correct on some points, but he's no different than the rest because he's indifferent to what God is doing. And this one is the most dangerous because this one, even after you're saved, you still do. You cannot regard God's plan in your own life. And so then, however you're going to get to work, doing whatever it is that God wants you to do, you might go, I'm out. I got the goods now. I'm saved. Why do I need? I finished D1. I'm going to just sit here in the pew and you preach to me. And if I don't like it, maybe I'll Facebook about it. Okay. (laughs) That don't sound like ministry of reconciliation. See, this is this is something that both of us can do, lost or saved, because again, we are connected. There has to be this compassion that exists for them that doesn't just throw them away, because God would never do that. It would put Christ's death in vain if that was the case. And so our recap is this: the lost don't they don't reckon, they don't register, they don't regard. In the invitation, I want you to just consider some. All of this is in the heart of the very thing that Christ himself said from the cross. Luke 23, 34. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. The very statement that he is making, they know full well what they're doing. And yet, they have no idea of the gravity of what they're doing. Do you have the same compassion that can be forgiving in the face of you Suffering some sort of harm from people that we love that don't know the Lord. Because you know what we do? Sometimes we make assumptions and we, well, you're my family and I forgot that you're lost for a second and you're supposed to treat me this way. They're lost. How are they going to treat? They're treating you like lost people treat people. What do we expect? We get so worked up about these things, but I'm telling you, you... You have the upper hand. So I don't want you to go out and battle as if you are fighting from a place of defense. It's offense. You have the answer. You have the key. You have the light. If you withhold that, there's potential. If the Lord was to take their life, that you were that access point. Now they may not have it. Now we know God will, you man, if, if you opt out, the Lord will surely replace you. <laughs> but... The thing is this, he wants to use you. And I th- and I think there should be in us a desire for fruit in such a way that when the opportunities present themselves that we don't just maybe tick a box that says I'm going to opt out because this is a tough relationship or I've told this person this already and they still haven't listened. Man, how long were you hard-headed? Don't forget This guy is beating a drum because in his mind, he thinks that he can maybe see the Messiah sit on the throne in Jerusalem. That is driving everything he's doing. So I would I would just put it back on you. Are you driven by the fact that, you know, the Lord will show up again to get you? And will you standing before him want to be able to say, Lord, this is what I've done. I. 
If they don't listen, they don't listen. That's their choice, guys. But don't don't let them not make the choice because you never even gave them an option to. Man, minister to these people. I don't want you to get some idea like you got to drum up ministry when you're born into one. Work that one. Have some compassion. Be prayerful. Even if in your death, finally, that they accept Christ when you are buried before them and everything you've ever said finally comes to fruition, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. What would be wrong with that? Nothing would be wrong with that. And so, my parting thought is just this. Don't grow weary uh, in your prayers, your compassion for those loved ones, for those co-workers, for those neighbors um, because of any previous attempts. Man, don't don't try to measure what it is that God is doing. God is at work. Remember, we all we do is throw seed. <laughs> some people water, some people throw seed. You don't harvest. That's the Lord's job. And so let's just let him do his part of it. And let's just make sure that we put the farmer clothes on, go out there, throw some seed out there, throw some water out. And see, let's see what happens. We're going to have crops. We're going to eat. It's going to be good. I promise you. And so, understand Peter's heart. It's one from a place of compassion. This guy right in front of us is turning into what it is that he saw and even re- and, and even rejected. It's incredible. We have the opportunity to do the same. And so, I just want to leave that with you this morning. I pray that it ministers to you. Man, maybe it is that next week when we come together, or even if you want to, I, today, send Serene some, some names. Let's get some names out here of, of individuals we need to pray. The heart, I mean them hard-hearted, hard-headed family members, co-workers. And just so we can lift them up. You guys know what happens when we pray together corporately. It meant the Lord has moved in this class multiple times. So why wouldn't he, concerning the thing that's going to rescue the wicked... Right, and while and 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 while we are waiting for him to respond in that way, have some compassion for these individuals. Don't expect them to do anything more. Man, they don't have what you have. They don't know what you know. So they're going to sometimes treat you improperly. They might say something mean or hurtful. Don't take it to heart. Don't take it personal. You you have the upper hand. God is on your side. I love you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, um, thank you so much uh, again just for for today and everything that Lord we just talked about unity and, and service and and Lord even as we're considering um, just where our heart is, Lord, I, I do lift up our family members. Lord, that we've been ministering to, we have, and and Lord, maybe it is this morning, we haven't been consistent in our prayers. We haven't been consistent in sharing the gospel. Um, We haven't been consistent in even sharing a testimony. Maybe we haven't even reached out in a while. Lord, I pray that help us to have broken hearts for the lost. Lord, help us not to just sit in a safe place with you and uh, mock those that don't have you. Lord, let us not do that. 
Lord, let us be the kind of people that are always extending uh, a hand or, or have a reason of the hope that is within us and we're, and we're more than happy to share it. Um, Lord, give us opportunity. Lord, would you, would you soften the hearts of those, soften the heads of the hard-headed? Lord, would you save souls in our families, our co-workers? Lord, we do love these people. We've been around them maybe for years in some in some cases, our neighbors. Um, God, we're just begging you. Um, Lord, whether it's COVID or not, I'm just outside of it. Lord, let's just help us to just be fruitful uh, from a place of compassion. And uh, Lord, help our feet really have the uh, gospel and good news uh, braced on it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, my loved ones, I love you. Have a good week. I will digitally see you Tuesday.